The readings taken from Luke chapter 12, beginning to read at verse 32, and it's on page 1055 of the Pew Bibles. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I love that bit when we say, this is the word of the Lord, and half the room know what to do. And the rest of us are like, I'm sure I meant to say something at that point. Um, That's a bit of Anglican liturgy for you, but it's an important one because actually what we're saying is that's what God says. That's what God says. And when it comes to vision, ultimately we've got to hear what God says. And God speaks through his scriptures and God speaks by the Spirit. They never contradict one another. It's one of the ways you can test a prophetic word. And so part of, I guess, what I've been trying to do on behalf of us is say, God, what are you saying to your church? We need to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, don't we? And that's what vision's about. Before I dive in, I just want to um, ask you, uh, I guess, to really consider two things when it comes to Paul, my lovely friend and colleague, who, uh, I don't know if you clocked this, he is running the 10K next Saturday, Sunday even. Uh, which is amazing. It's an amazing feat for anyone to decide to try to do that. I think you're all amazing. Um, but actually, if you know something of Paul's story around health and the recovery that he's been on around energy levels, that's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. And so we're going to be sending out a link later in the week for you to sponsor him and some of the others and all these various things. But if nothing else, would you pray for Paul? Would you pray for Paul? Because I think it's brave and it's exciting. Um, sorry to embarrass you, but... I think he's amazing, and I just want us to pray for him. Our vision, if you've been around for any length of time, you'll know, is articulated in this rather long statement, but it's by design long, because we want it to articulate something specific. And it's this, that we want to be a growing community of kingdom people, i.e., I just don't want a bunch of churchgoers. I want us to be a community who know and love and journey together with one another. Of people who are thinking and living and acting kingdom. That itself is made up of multiple smaller communities. Revive is one of them. Small groups is another. Our youth and our children, they meet in small groups as well. We want to be part of a bigger thing but be known in smaller things. And we want, our, we want to be people that experience the kingdom in us. Because God's for us and he has things for us and he wants to transform us into the likeness of Jesus Christ to make us truly, newly human. But at the same time, he's committed to working through us for the sake of other people and for the sake of the world that we live in. And we want to be people who are radically transformed. Radically transformed. Not changed a little bit. Like a little bit of improvement on the side, you know, let's just paint the living room. Let's rebuild the house. Because that's what God does. But let's not just think us and other people, let's think all things. Because as I read the scriptures, I'm, I'm convinced that when he says I'm going to make all things new, he's going to make all things new. 
And so actually you and I are called to go as the people of God into the world on behalf of the kingdom of God and make all things new. And in the way you and I have influence, God wants to work his kingdom out through us. So I love the fact that we have architects in this room who are thinking, how do I create spaces where people will thrive more? I love the fact that we have in this room teachers who are thinking, how do we bring something of the kingdom into the classroom? I love the fact that we have people in all sorts of professions and spheres of influence, parts of the city, different ages, different stages, thinking, how might God's kingdom come through me? That's what the church is. That's what the church is. And what happens when we gather on a Sunday, come to that later, is hugely important. But it's not the sum total of what we're about. It's all unto something bigger. Now, because that's a, a rather a lot to uh, ask you to memorize, I'd hate to get into the scenario where, you know, I meet you in the supermarket and you're dreading me going, is he going to ask me what the vision statement is? You know, it's like, oh no. Uh, instead, we've said, let's think of it like this, that we're simply joining with God in the renewal of all things. That's what we're doing. And the call on the church is to say, God, what is it that you're doing? And how do we join in? Because God, you see, is a missionary God, the the sent ones, missio, to be sent. God is ascending God because God sends his son and the son sends his spirit. God is already on the move. God is on mission. And the question is, are you and I going to join in or not? And so the question has to be, what are you doing? How might we join in? What are you doing that you want us as a gathered body, as a corporate people of all saints to join in on? But actually, what do you want me personally to join in on? What is it you're doing in my street? What is it that you're doing in my office? My place of work, my school, my college, my sphere of influence, my network of friends, my family. How do I join in on that? I find that really exciting. I can tell you all do, like you're all jumping out of the pews with Pentecostal kind of zeal. It's extraordinary, overwhelming. (laughs) Actually, I know you do when I get you one-on-one. But I also find it really daunting. It's almost easier to say, look, our vision, our mission is to just build a nice big church, fix the building, have a few more projects, get more people in, tick. And, and not to think, actually, the whole of creation is to be made new. It's daunting. It's overwhelming. And so I've been saying, God, what are you saying to us? Speak again to us, your people. I love that little passage that we had read to us from Luke. I always do this to um, the person reading. I change my reading at the last minute. It's preacher's prerogative. But I love what it says. Do not be afraid, little flock. Do not be afraid, little flock. It's this tenderness, isn't it? We feel little, don't we? Do you feel little in the big world? I do. I spoke last week about my... my insecurities about my adequacy as a leader and the first thing I felt God said and I shared this last week is that we just need to keep going that actually one of the things that we're called to do is to be people who just keep going keep on keeping on long obedience in the same direction holding our nerve trusting that that which we sow in love we will reap that God is the one who does it he calls us to be faithful doesn't he And he says, I'll be fruitful. It's not well done, good and successful servants. You nailed it. Boom. It's well done, good and faithful servants. And so I quoted Elizabeth Elliot, who says that we are not to dig up in doubt. 
that which we sow in faith. Don't dig up in doubt that which we sow in faith. And I shared with... I'm so sorry. I shared with you three uh, priorities, three of six priorities for the next year. The first, if you remember, was to uh, was that we're going to be beefing up and taking to the next level, if you like, a, a pastoral care plan that we've been developing over the last year or so. Uh, I said a l- quite a bit about that last week. You'll hear more. But I just want to encourage you that we're onto that, we're developing that. It will be centered around the small groups, as it always has been. Uh, and we want it to be transformative, not just therapeutic. I don't just want to care for people in need. I want to see people transformed by God in those times of need. And that's what we're working on with a small group of people who will develop it with us. The second thing we talked about last week was the, uh, the, the energy, if you like, and the money that's coming in and the momentum that's building around the redevelopment of our other building. Let's not even talk about this one today, please. But this one needs thinking about too. But we've got HLF money, Heritage Lottery money, to help begin to redevelop St. Helens. Many of you helped open the building up over the last few days to visitors as part of the Heritage Open Days. We had 50 people or so apparently at the lecture last night, which I couldn't make, but I gather was fascinating. And over 300 people who would not ordinarily have come in through our doors have come in over the last two and a half days. Isn't that great? Because, you know, in the olden days, before they put pews in, which is why I want them out, uh, churches were community spaces. Everyone owned them. There was a sense in which they were open all the time, all sorts of things happened. I'd love to think that people would feel like it's not their building. It's our building. So that's why we're pressing on with that. The third thing I shared, and I'm very excited about this, I think this will be hugely significant for us, and I'm recapping because not all of you were here last week, is that uh, in two weeks' time we are launching something called the Year of Biblical Literacy, which sounds very grand, but basically it's a 12-month adventure together in the Bible. We're going to teach the Bible, we're going to teach you how to read it, what it is, how it fits together, how on earth God speaks through it, and we're going to look at it thematically, we're going to look at it narratively, we're going to look at it in terms of all sorts of different ways. A 12-month adventure in the Bible. We're working hard behind the scenes on stuff to help small groups uh, with that and individually. And we're doing that because the data says that the single best way we can grow in our discipleship, our our followership of Jesus, is to read the Bible, root ourselves in it, and apply it. And so that's what we're going to do, because that's what we're about, right? So that's those three things. Uh, I was um, recently at a conference, uh, did a bit of speaking, and uh, during that time I met um, a man, uh, we'll call him Barry, Uh, And I met him in the catering tent of this conference, and he was washing up my knives, forks, and plates, along with uh, others on his team. He was washing up plates, knives, forks of 4,000 people who were on the team getting their meals in this catering tent, kids workers, youth workers, what have you. And you know when you meet some people and you just think, there's something about you. I was drawn to him. And so I bumped into Barry when I was uh, on a walk from wherever I was going somewhere else, and I said, oh, you're in the catering team, aren't you? And he said, yeah. I said, do you like it? He said, I love it. It's my favorite week of the year. Coming and spending a week washing up people's knives, forks, and spoons. I'm thinking, dude, like, what's the secret, you know? I dread emptying the dishwasher in the morning, and uh, here he is, like, giving up a week of holiday. He said, you have to understand where I've come from. And he started to tell me his story. Very, very successful businessman. Very, very successful. So much so that actually he ended up in a right mess. 
because sometimes having too much can be unhelpful. And uh, he found himself, long story cut short, coming to faith through a church like us. And uh, his marriage got saved, his family life got redeemed, uh, but he realized things had to change. And uh, he was saying on the Alpha Weekend Away, when he came to faith by filled with the Holy Spirit, he felt God said to him, I want it all. He said, you have to understand, like, I left school at 16, he said. Everything I have, I've earned. It's mine. And God says, no, 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 it's actually mine. And he said, what happened over a period of two and a half years was that God got my heart. He got my heart. So much so that he sold his business, downsized his house, downsized his car, downsized his holidays, downsized his wardrobe. He went off on one. But what he downsized. And he bought the church that he's part of, a warehouse, so they could run a 24-7 compassion project to serve the poor in their city. And he says, I'm basically, I'm on their team. He doesn't run it. He's not a trustee. doesn't own the building. He's on their team. And I said, what team are you on? He said, oh, I do two things. He says, I do clearing up and washing up after every morning when we feed the homeless. And he says, I'm on the chair team. I put the chairs back. I was like, so not only do you spend a week washing up every year at New Wine for 3,000 people, you do it every day, every week. He said, yeah. He says, I love it. He says, I'm more alive and I'm more free than I've ever been. Interesting, isn't it? Now, I'm not suggesting that everyone's called to do what Barry did. But I'll tell you that story to illustrate what Jilly read from Luke chapter 12. That's what it looks like when our heart is so invested in the things of God that doing what he's calling us to do and doing it the way he's asking us to do it is our primary concern. The second thing I felt God's been saying, and I've been trying to find the language for it even up until 20 minutes ago, but I feel like what God is saying to us is, the time is now. The time is now. The time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that we do it. Today is the day we give our heart, put more in, commit, take a risk, be brave. Today is the day we rearrange our priorities. Today is the day. Because you know that saying that tomorrow never comes? Today is the day. I found myself thinking just literally earlier about that phrase, you know, saving for a rainy day. Well, today's a rainy day for people. We've got uh, two and a half weeks left of food left in our food bank before it's gone. Because we've seen such a surge in need, and it's genuine need, over the summer. Way more than last year. Because today's a rainy day. There are people living on the streets in our city and they don't know what tomorrow holds. There are people today, right now, in their homes and they don't know how they're going to feed their children. There are friends and family that you know who behind the facade of having it sorted are probably having all sorts of questions and debates with themselves about whether they can really do this thing called life. Don't be fooled by outward appearances. Don't assume because someone's got it together on the outside, they've got it together on the inside. Today's a rainy day for people. Today is the day. The time is now. 
have you noticed that when Jesus announces the gospel of the kingdom of God, he doesn't say, it's coming next week. He says, it's here. It's at hand. It's begun. Today. When he stands up in the temple and reads the scroll from Isaiah, he doesn't say, oh, in a couple of months' time, this will be fulfilled in your midst. He says, today it's being fulfilled in your midst. The prayer that he gave us is not, Lord, give us sometime soon the bread we need to live off. (laughs) You know, we talked earlier about the next 12 months, didn't we, and what we'd like to see God do. I don't believe in a God that we, uh, who says, well, maybe one day. I believe in a God that says that yes, one day, all shall be well. And between now and then, in faith, we come to him because he's the loving father who gives good gifts to his children, you and I. And we say, today, God, may it be today, as we know it will be tomorrow. And so the prayer from the Lord is not, sometime, God, would you turn up? It's today, give us our daily bread, because it's today, today, and it's today, tomorrow. It's every day, it's today. For you, for me, and for everybody that we're called to serve. That's what I feel God's saying to us. The time is now. Today's the day. And can I just put my hands up? My amazing, long-suffering wife will tell you that I am like chief procrastinator. Like, honestly, I'm like... I'm <laughs> The church wardens will know because I've invited them the whole time to challenge me. But I can be super defensive. Maybe it's just not me. I'm sure it's not just me. At times. I have to work really hard at times to be undefended. Like it's a conviction and I lean into it and I do quite well some of the time. But I can procrastinate. I can defend myself. I can justify. I can make excuses. I'm so good at saying, well, when these circumstances change and that's the case, then I'll do it. I'm I'm really good at convincing myself. Spectacularly bad at convincing Kath, who's a gift in that respect. I realise that most of the time. Is it just me? It's Paul and I. Like, come on. Let's be honest. We're all extraordinarily good at delaying what's going to cost us. We're all very good at protecting ourselves from the truth about ourselves. Why? Because we're afraid. Aren't we? We're afraid of what it means. We're afraid of how we're going to feel, of where it's going to take us, what it's going to cost us. But here's what God says. Do not be afraid, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Not out of some sort of sheer gritted teeth. Okay, God, I'll trust you. But because when we look at it objectively, we see that there's no reason to be afraid because the God who's for us is not against us. The God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead is with us by his spirit and he's promised to be with us to the very end of the age. He said, I'll provide for you everything you need. Go for it. I send you out in my name. 
and in the power of my spirit. I've given you grace. I've given you spiritual gifts. I've put passions and skills into you. There are things about you that make you uniquely you, and I think you're wonderful. And so go. Be faithful and obedient. Hold your nerve. Keep going. And the rest is my problem. And those of us who've pressed in on that, we can tell you some stories. The Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. Isn't that amazing? He's given it to you in and through Jesus Christ. And it's his delight to do so. Why? Because that's what we were created for in the first place. Hang on tight for this year of biblical literacy. The second teaching series is going to be a romp through the Bible, six weeks looking at the entire narrative of Scripture. But you will see that God created us to co-rule with him over creation. The kingdom of God is our inheritance, given back to us by the true Adam, Jesus Christ. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. There it is. Don't be afraid. But here's the challenge, right? There's always an invitation and a challenge. That's the invitation. Don't be afraid. Here's the challenge. Where's your heart? You're like Barry, who's so invested in the kingdom that his heart is right there. Like whatever it takes to serve. Whatever it takes to elevate the name of Jesus Christ. Whatever it takes to introduce someone to him who doesn't yet know him. Whatever it takes to see that person's needs met out of the resources of God. Whatever it takes. I'll downsize and I'll downsize and I'll downsize so I can be more in. That's a really challenging line from Jesus. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. You want to know where your heart is? What are you most worried about losing? Barry said the thing I lived in was fear of my business going under and losing everything. He said I was trapped by it. But now, he said, I don't have anything. I've got enough and I'm free. I'm not saying you all need to downsize. I'm just asking the question, where's your treasure? What do you worry most about losing? That's where your treasure is. That's where your heart is. And what Jesus is saying is, look, it needs to be in the things of the kingdom. For the sake of the kingdom, but actually for you, because that's how you're wired. That's how God's made you. It's a really big challenge, isn't it? But I think when God says to us, the time is now. Get going. Today's a rainy day. Come on. I think first he'd say, but is your heart in it? Because if it's not, it'll kill you. It's too hard. I was reading a book about this uh, and came across this quote from the Chinese philosopher Confucius um, who says, wherever you go, go with all your heart. Wherever you go, go with all your heart. I want to say to you, can we go for the kingdom, please? Will you come with Kath and I as we go for the kingdom, Will you join us as we seek as best as we know how to, to give it our heart? 
as well as our soul, as well as our mind, as well as our strength. No holding back. Today's the day. I've got no idea what it looks like. I'm standing up here feeling like, jeepers, I'm like, I've got some serious praying to do. I've got some serious rethinking to do. But that's what God is saying, I think. And you can test that and weigh that. As I was preparing, I um, had a text from a friend, I think it was yesterday, who was saying uh, what he felt God might be saying uh, to us. And it was a real confirmation to me. I was on the right lines and trying to discern this. And he just said to me that the French word for heart is, does anyone know? Cœur. It's a great word, isn't it? Cœur. Um, French have it so right with their language. Uh, there it is. And that is the root word in English for courage. This is going to take courage, right? Not being afraid means having courage. That's why we have to encourage one another as much as we possibly can. That's why it's a spiritual gift, and if you haven't got it, ask for it, because I think it's one of the best spiritual gifts, frankly. It's the most needed right now in our world. But to put courage in one another is the key to this. So when there's courage in here, when your heart's encouraged, all things are possible. Because the brain is so good at convincing you to procrastinate and to delay and to dial down. But the heart cannot be stopped when God is in it. Yes? Just checking yours are still beating. Yes? So commitment is a state of mind, right? But courage is a state of heart. And God needs people who are courageous for the kingdom. Because their hearts are so invested in it. That they said, whatever it takes, whatever it costs, I'm in. I've got no idea what it means for you, what it means for me, really, in some sense. But I know that it's the way of the kingdom. And if we want to be a people who are kingdom people, we've got to learn how to do it together. And we've got to keep on going for it and keep trying and revisit and work it out again. And here's why. Oscar Wilde, who probably wouldn't be known as a courageous kingdom person, says this. It takes a great deal of courage to see the world in all its tainted glory and still to love it. It takes great, a great deal of courage to see the world in all its tainted glory and still to love it. But when there's courage in our hearts, we go, yes, that makes sense. That's how God works. That's what it looks like. It's upside down and inside out. It's topsy-turvy. But maybe, actually, it's just the right way around after all. And so some of you have joined us over the last few months. Some of you are here this morning, and I'm looking at you going, yeah, you've been coming over the last few weeks. Some of you, uh, it's great, you've connected in. But I want to say to you, if, you, if you're, here, you're, you're here on a Sunday, I want to say, will you join us? Will you go the next step and plug in? And so I'm going to make this my family. I mean, I'm going to join this adventure that All Saints is on. I'm in. I can't do it on my own, but I'm in. And the way you do that is dead simple. You find a welcome card. There should be some on your pews. And you fill it in and you give it to me. And then we'll get in touch with you and say, how do we help you find your place in this big community called All Saints? I'd love you to do that if you haven't. And that would be great. Can I pray for us before I say a few more things? God, I just simply want to pray that two things would happen by your spirit.
that, that it's not about me, it's about you. First God, would you, would you captivate our hearts? It seems to me, God, that we don't really have a heart for your kingdom until we discover you, the king. And so, God, would you reveal us, reveal to us more of who you are and what your kingdom is like because of who you are. Help us to see what you've done for us, what you're doing in us. And I pray that our hearts would come on fire for you and your kingdom. And I pray that by your spirit, God, you'd place courage in us. And that through one another, we would encourage one another to step out today. And to choose again tomorrow, to to make tomorrow the day. And the day after the day. To not be afraid. But to have courage. Amen. Three things real quick that I think uh, we've, as a, as I've chatted to the team and others and have tried to distill down, one of the, one of the things we've talked about wanting to do, um, needing to do probably as a community this season we're in is, no, first one you'll like this, uh, have more fun. I, th- I think it'd be good to have a bit more fun. Like, cause I think, you know, what I've said's true, but it's a big deal, right? And actually, one of the things I love about Jesus is in one moment he's healing the sick and casting vision for the kingdom and getting himself into trouble. And at the same time, he's at a party. Like, how cool is that? We looked at that when we looked in the teaching series about the table, but we need to have more fun. Wouldn't it be great if people said, oh, I want to be in your church because you have fun. You don't take yourselves too seriously. We take missions seriously, but not ourselves too seriously. So the first thing uh, we're going to do, and I don't think Ree's here, but Ree has decided that we need to have a church lunch. And I said to Ree and Owen, uh, Owen is unofficially the director of Fundum in the school, in the school, in the church. Um, in there, if you know Owen, I'll cure it. He is just walking fun. So, um, in fact, he, Joe, uh, Joe and Fraser, Owen and Laura are currently in Halle in East Germany representing all saints on a little ministry trip. Um, to the church that we've got a connection with through the diocesan link. Owen being Owen couldn't make the, diocesan, the official diocesan return trip to visit this collection of churches out there, so he made his own trip. Um, and he, he quite classically said, I just made sure it was much more fun than the official one was going to be. So I've got, I've got no idea what they're doing. I've, I, Joe and Fraser have no idea what they're doing. Laura had no idea what they're doing. I'm not entirely sure Owen did, except to say they've gone to encourage this little church in East Germany, what was East Germany, Eastern Germany, uh, who are pressing into the things of God. And they're the only church really in the, in like within 200 miles that are doing that. So they've gone to encourage them. And so if you could pray for them. And their safe return. That would be great. Um, but Owen and, Owen and Ree have decided we're going to have a church lunch on the 25th of September. Two weeks today. We're going to go old school, bring and share. We're going to put some vague guidelines out there so we don't end up with 9,000 pieces of quiche and a packet of crisps. But uh, we can do that, right? We're going to keep it low key. But if you're around in two weeks' time, come and have lunch together. Let's get around the table, have some table time, have some table talk as a church, as we get going, beginning of a new ministry year. So you'll hear more on email and through the uh, other channels about that. But that's the date for your diary, church lunch. Uh, who knows what will happen. Secondly then, the director of fun and his team came up with what we thought is a brilliant suggestion for a social event, uh, which is going to be on the 15th of October. I've got no idea whether we are allowed to use the branding from the TV series, but we'll find out. Um, but the idea is that harnessing the energy around the table, we're going to ask you on that night, do you want to either host dinner, 
or go to dinner at someone else's house. Not going to make you do it, but I'd love you to. Here's how it's going to work. If you say, I want to host dinner, you say, I've got room for X people around my table, and we'll find X people, and we'll send them to your house. If you want to go to dinner, you'll sign up for that, and we'll allocate you a slot at someone's table. Here's the rub. You don't know who you're going to dinner with. And you don't know whose house you're going to until the day. Because what we're not doing is just staying in our little bits of the church. We're going to mix and mingle. Uh, and it'll be a lot of fun. Some of you are thinking, that sounds like hell. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. We're not going to make you do it. But I would challenge you to say, maybe, maybe, just maybe, that's one of the things that little flock do not be afraid might look like. So let our guard down and get to know some other people. Because here's what will happen. You'll walk in the next week and you'll know some more people in this church. How good will that be? A lot of fun. And then the idea is, apparently, I've got no idea how this will work, that those of you who want to will then gather back together in the city centre in the evening for late night antics. Um, a, pub, a pub trip and I think probably a club trip. But um, at that point, I'm like, where's my Bovril? So, um, uh, not that I drink Bovril. I don't know why I said that. Anyway, um, you up for that? It's going to be fun, isn't it? It's going to be fun. And um, we'll keep it simple, but just a real chance to hang out, have some fun together, get to know one another. The next one uh, is this bonfire party, Saturday the 5th of November. Dead easy to remember it this year. What's the date? 5th of November, up at Top Barn. We couldn't do it last year. It's back this year. Goodness knows what's going to happen there. I do know that we're struggling to find a professional to do the fireworks. And so, Owen... <laughs> um, <laughs> but... Um, I'm going to let Mark work, worry about that one, health and safety. Ah. And then another date for your diary. I'm going to speed up. Uh, just to get it in your diaries now, 4th of February, Saturday the 4th of February, we're going to do a midwinter social. It's going to be a chance to dress up, have some fun. We're not going to make it super posh and like exclusive, but we're just going to have a really lovely evening together. No idea what we're going to do. That's the date, uh, 4th of February. Okay, are you with me so far? Great, speeding up. Second thing that's really important, I want us to just grasp this. Uh, some really significant research came out uh, last year by the Church of England called Talking Jesus. You can find it online. Uh, it's subtitled Perceptions of Jesus, Christians and Evangelism in England. Two things it found, essentially. One, people's perceptions of us aren't what we think they are. The media fuels one, but actually that's not what they have. And that that perception massively improves when they get to know us. Rocket science. Okay, that's the first thing. That's about evangelism. The second thing that's really interesting is this. How, excuse me, how people come to faith. Number one, 41% of people that interviewed, and they interviewed 20,000 people, 41% of them came to faith in a Christian family. Parents, it's your job to disciple your children. We help, it's your job. And uh, we we're trying to help more. The second thing, notice this, uh, to notice, is that 28% came to faith reading the Bible. Reading the Bible, which gives me hope and courage for the year of biblical literacy. Not just that um, people might come to faith as they come along, but actually we will grow in our faith too, right? Because when you read the Bible, things happen. No kidding. But here's what I want you to notice. This is really important. 29% of people, that's nearly a third of people, come to faith by coming along to a church on a Sunday. How do they come along? Some people walk in off the street, sovereignly, God's at work, or they've heard of us. Most people come on a Sunday because you invite them. 
Uh, the fifth thing we're going to be doing is trying to develop our Sunday gatherings. I think they could be better. We know they could be better. Some of that's about resource. Some of that's about layout of the space. Some of that's about how we organize people to make them happen. Uh, that's a project that Owen and a few others are on. But actually, um, what I want to say to you is two things. First of all, I want them to be places that you feel safe to bring your friends to. And I want you to be bold and courageous and start to invite people to come to your church on a Sunday. Because a third of people come to faith that way. Interesting, isn't it? If you go into the statistics, if we were to drill down, I can happily send it to you. Some of the other things that happen, happen to people who started coming to a church. They didn't come to faith on a Sunday, but they came to faith through a church. So it's still worth doing. Um, I want them to become unmissable. Whatever that means. But we're going to work on that. The second thing I'd love you to do, and please hear me on this, is in those moments on a Sunday, when you think, hmm, should we bother this week? Is to bother. Even if it's for the sake of somebody else. We miss you when you're not here. We're poorer for it when you're not in the room, when we gather as a family. And I totally get that lots of you have multiple commitments. So do we. I totally get that. So if you can't be here, you can't be here. That's fine. I get that. I don't want anyone ever feeling guilty that they can't be here. I'm just nudging you on those moments when it's in the balance. Because I know what it's like to get us all out of the house to get here. I know, I've got three young children. And it feels like we've got nine half the time. So I get that. But I'm telling you, sometimes we just have to turn up for the sake of this thing we're part of. And that together we press in, together. It might not be a morning where God meets with you, but maybe you're the person that has a prophetic word for someone else. Maybe you're the person that can help serve tea and coffee. Did you see John Prescott this week serving tea on the train from Hull to London because there was no one else to do it? I love that. Whatever your criticism of him might be, there he is, 78-year-old Lord Prescott serving cups of tea on a train. Do you hear what I'm saying? Please don't start feeling bad about not being here. But I'm just slightly challenging you to come on those mornings when it's in the balance. And finally, and I'm conscious I've run out of time, the reality is, and I'll be saying more about this as we go, is this is only possible if we agree together and individually, actually, to be more led by the Spirit. To be more led by the Spirit. We were talking as a staff team about what would it look like for our planning and our administration to be more prophetic. I've got no idea. Let me tell you a quick story, because I've got the microphone and you haven't. Uh, I was at a church last week, and they said to me, the, the admin guy said to me, the equivalent of Mark said to me, they were praying as a team about what God wanted them to do in their administration. One of them felt they should translate all of their materials into Polish. And one of them said, that's great, but we don't have any Polish people in the church. In fact, we don't even have any Polish people in our town. Guess what happened the next Sunday, having done it? Two Polish families came. Now, did they come because they'd done the translation, or was it just coincidence? I don't know. But what I do know is that the Spirit's at work. So what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? What does it mean to be people who use our gifts from the Spirit? What does it mean to be more dependent on the power of the Spirit? It's a journey. Uh, Periodically, I have to keep this one going, and this is one of those moments. I'm saying to you, I'm saying to me, we have to be led by the Spirit. What's the Spirit saying? And if the Spirit is saying go, then we go, but we don't go without him. And we don't go in our own strength. 
And we don't rely on our own understanding. We do it with him, dependent on him. And when we do that, oh my goodness. What we get to be part of? The greatest investment, the greatest adventure adventure of your life. So you in? If you're in, why don't you stand? Conscious, uh, once again, that I slightly went over time. Forgive me. If you need to get your children, please either go or send someone else if you would like to be prayed for in a moment. I'm going to formally finish, but it, but what I would say to you is if your heart is beating because the Spirit has been speaking to you through me, then put this into practice straight away and get prayed for this morning. Find someone up at the front, in the middle, on the sides with a yellow badge on and say, will you pray for me? Because I'm in, but I'm not doing it on my own. Okay? And if you're here today and you think, oh, forget that, I'm just amazed I'm even alive. Or I'm really struggling. Can you pray for me for that? Then we'll do that too. So we'll do that in a minute, but let me just formally finish with a blessing. Father, who gives us your kingdom, Thank you. Thank you that you say to us, join with me. We're not just making out the numbers. We're integral to your plan to make all things new. And we want to be a church that keeps going, but goes with courage. And so I pray you pour out your spirit upon us. Place fresh courage in our hearts now. And send us out with a step in our, a, a leap in our, our uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Send us out with joy. <laughs> and God, send us out with faith. That in us and through us, we will experience more of your kingdom. And we pray we'd know your blessing in all that we are and all that we do. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you. If you want to be prayed for, get to the front. Tea and coffee at the back. See you soon.